Please turn with me to Philippians in chapter 2. Feels quite right in that we are finishing our series of culture carriers and Today, even just as I was sat there, I'd prepared my heart and my ministry and just put some notes down. And I'm just going to have to see how this goes because I have to be honest, God just started just dropping some seeds in my heart as well. So we'll just see, even if I get to the notes on some things, it will be around the whole issue of, uh, and, and message of aspiration, but I may come at it slightly different. But before we read the scriptures together, so just hold your finger in Philippians and chapter 2. I just want to read something to you, because this is a a story of a man who had serious aspirations. And uh, I love stories. I love stories that just send a strong message of people who have achieved and who have succeeded and through all the challenges of life. I love some of your stories. I've talked to some of you. Some of you, you know, started wrong, started bad, the wrecked relationships, abuse in your life, but... You just, you're just leading strong. You're living strong. You're just, you're just breaking into something. And I love your stories. I really do love your stories. And I also love the stories of people of old. But there was one particular person when I think about aspiration and what he did who just resonates in me. Um, I'm actually going to do a lot more digging now on him, but I had a little book that, um, was compiled on some of his teachings. And the man's name is George Muller. I don't know whether I'm pronouncing it right, but certainly German descent. And um, he, he was born on September the 27th, 1805. If you know nothing about this man, just listen to me a, a moment. He lived the entire 19th century, basically, uh, because he died on March the 10th, 1898. That in itself is remarkable, because in that time he actually lived to the age of 92 which would have been pretty incredible. He was part of the Great Awakening of 1859, which led to the conversion of literally hundreds of thousands of people. I didn't know this, but he actually did follow-up work for D.L. Moody. He preached for Charles Spurgeon and inspired the missionary faith of Hudson Taylor. This guy had great influence. But he spent, even though he was German, he spent most of his life in Bristol, England. And he actually pastored the same church there for over 66 years. Wow, that's pretty incredible. Now in 1834, he was only 28 at the time, he founded the Scripture Knowledge Institute for Home and Abroad. And the, 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 the five pillars of this Scripture Knowledge Institute was, was these. Firstly, schools for children and adults to teach Bible knowledge. Number two, Bible distribution. Number three, missionary support. So he was committed to send to the nations of the world Bibles, the gospel, and practical help. We're going back to the 1800s. Fourthly, tract and book distribution. And number five, to board, to clothe, and scripturally educate destitute children who have lost both parents by death. The accomplishments of all five branches were significant. But the one he was known around the world for and in his lifetime and after was the, the ministry to orphans. He built five large orphan houses and catered for, get this, in his lifetime, 10,024 orphans in his life. When he started in 1834, there were accommodations for 3,600 in all of England. 
And twice that many children under eight were in prison. One of the great effects of Muller's ministry was to inspire others so that 50 years after Mr. Muller began his work, at least 100,000 orphans were cared for in England alone. Let me tell you another thing about him. He did all this while he was preaching three times a week from 1830 to 1898. And he preached at least, get this Phil, 10,000 times. He travelled, he had a long fulfilment to travel, and in his 70s he travelled across 42 countries, preaching on average once a day, and addressing some 3 million people. He died at the age of 92. The day before he died, he led a prayer meeting at his church on the evening of Wednesday, March 9th, 1898. The next day a cup of tea was taken to him at 7 in the morning, but no one came to the knock on the door, and he was found dead on the floor beside his bed. The funeral was held the following Monday in Bristol, where it served for 66 years. Are you still getting this? Are you absorbing? This is powerful stuff. Tens of thousands of people reverently stood along the route of the simple procession. Men left their workshops and offices. Women left their elegant homes or humble kitchens, all seeking to pay a last token of respect. A thousand children gathered for a service at the orphan house, number three. They had now, for a second time, lost a father. He had read his Bible from end to end almost 200 times. He had prayed in millions of dollars in today's currencies for the orphans and never asked anyone directly for money. Let me go back to something that someone said about him in a book. It says there that he was a bit of a maverick. Not only in his church life, but in almost all areas of his life. But his eccentricities were almost all large-hearted and directed outward for the God of others. A.T. Pearson, who wrote the biography that Muller's son-in-law endorsed as authoritative captured the focus of this big-hearted eccentricity when he said, listen to this, George Muller, it's all about aspiration, devised large and liberal things for the Lord's cause. I'll say that again. George Muller devised large and liberal things for the Lord's cause. Here is a man... He was a ministry, he was a soldier from many hundreds of years ago who was living with a, car- a culture carrier of aspiration. He was full of aspiration for the things of God. I wonder what we are full of this morning. I wonder what we are full of this morning, friends, as I look around this room. Are we full of doubt? Are we full of fear? Or are we full of hope? Are we full of ambition? Are we full of aspiration? I wonder what we're full of this morning. I want to read those scriptures to us because there are two particular passages of scripture in the book of Philippians that I want to just go to. And I want to just make a few statements about. So if we can go to the first one, which is Philippians in chapter 2. And I just want to read the first 
four verses. It says there, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Get this, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. I want to just take your attention now to Philippians in chapter 3, because I want to read something, and then I want to just compare these verses that we've just read. Because it's the same writer, Paul, is writing to the church. And he now says some other things that could almost seem a little bit of a contradiction. And I'll make reference to what I mean in a moment. Because Philippians 3 and verse 12 says this. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Now, when I'm using these two particular passages of Scripture, well, first of all, they're in the same book of the Bible and they're written by the same person, but I want to highlight, first of all, from Philippians 2, if you've still got your Bibles there, just to actually look at some of the words that Paul uses. He uses the word selfish ambition, vain conceit. He says that we should consider others better than ourselves. He also then says we should look to the interests of others. We see here, very, very clear, that Paul was addressing the issue of ambition. Ambition that was centered and rooted in our needs, in our wants, in our demands. And so we see this very clearly. But then we see in Philippians chapter 3, you could almost think, if you, were, if you weren't careful and you were reading these out of context, that Paul was contradicting himself because he uses words like, forgetting what is behind, I press on ahead. I take hold. The language is quite forceful. I take hold. I've taken hold of it. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I strain towards what is ahead. Oh, this sounds straight out of a movie out of Wall Street. Straining, moving, gaining. I go to win the prize, the goal of winning the prize for which God has called me. I want to just say at this particular point, it's very important that we must understand there is no contradiction in what Paul is wanting to say. What he's trying to do, I actually think, is mirroring something here. Because there is a difference, I actually believe, between even the word ambition and aspiration. I actually really do believe there is. Now, if some of you are from English degrees and whatever you want to fall out with me afterwards, you can fall out all you want because I won't get involved in the argument. I'm just using it as an illustration. I think it's just a sense in which that whole thing of ambition, where people are living with him, ambition, this is what Paul was addressing. 
He was saying there are those people who live their lives out of selfish ambition and vain conceits. Let me be clear, I am not talking about carrying a culture of selfish ambition and vain conceit. What I'm talking about this morning is actually what Paul is addressing here, that he talks about there is an aspiration, there is a strong desire to achieve something, which is the definition of aspiration. But it is not rooted in what I get from it, it's rooted in what I can give. You see, this is all about the heart. What I want to be clear is what I am saying and what I am not saying. I'm not encouraging a group of people now in the life of Arena Church to start just treading over people because we're so ambitious. We want to launch this thing. We want to launch that thing. We want to launch another thing. I'm not talking about strutting our stuff, showing how great we are, doing what pleases us. Rather, what I'm talking about is that we forget the things of the old and we strain towards what God has called over our lives. We, we are people that, you know, forgetting what is behind, we live for God and his purposes over our lives. The issue of ambition and aspiration, I believe, is all about the heart. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says this, Above all else, above all else guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. For out of it spring the issues of life. You see, I actually think it's really good and I want to encourage a culture of aspiration amongst you guys. But from what heart? Is it from a heart, like I've said, to strut your stuff, to get on a stage, to be seen, to have your name in lights? Or is it from a heart of wanting to serve the purposes of God in your life? I get the feeling when we read the story of George Muller, he wasn't looking for his name to be in lights. He was just getting on with what God had called him to do. You see, we have to ask ourselves the question, are we getting to keep or are we getting to give? Now there's an interesting question. Are we getting to keep Or are we getting to give? That's a really interesting question. I think it is. Because many people are stimulated by higher salaries, by higher this, by higher that. And it's from the position of how that then blesses and helps who? Them. Where God actually says... Why don't we work from a different position where we become a conduit for his blessing to pour out to others? You can enjoy all that God bestows upon you, but don't just be, you know, a person that just keeps it to themselves. Are you hearing me this morning? You've all gone awfully quiet. Are we reaching to help or are we reaching... To become distance. To become a distance. What I mean by that? You know, are we reaching to become promoted? Are we reaching, you know, to get higher promotions and build bigger businesses and whatever to help others? Or are we actually reaching to achieve that really just distances us further from the people? So we have this 
we have this attitude that they actually serve me. There has been some barters and some organizations where you've, you know, we've all seen where actually there's been such a distance and they've, they've lost the whole heart and aspect of why they're doing what, why they're doing what they're doing. Are we, are we looking to, to succeed, to then serve, or are we looking to succeed and then shout? Well, what are we shouting about all we've done? I want to tell you, you're looking at a guy who loves the thought of aspiration. I'm not preaching against aspiration. I, 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 want, to, I want to achieve I want to succeed. I want to be a blessing. I want to make a difference. I want to, I want to live a significant life. Are you hearing me this morning? But we have to ask, ask ourselves the question, why are we wanting those things? Because if we are looking to succeed, to serve, because success gives us great opportunities. My goodness, in your success, you will have great opportunities to serve and bless other people. If I can be honest, I hear a lot of people's success, and then all they do is they don't serve others, they just shout about their success. They're just writing books and telling everybody about their success. And what help is that to anybody? Please serve somebody from your success. Are you hearing me this morning? <laughs> you see, God's Spirit comes to help us, to lift us, to cause us to soar. Romans 8 verse 28 says this, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him. What God has called us, has created us to take land. I've been reading through virtually all this year and obviously on this 90 day trying to read the Bible in 90 days and I'm incredibly challenged now by hearing George Muller 200 times from end to end in his lifetime that he read the Bible. That is pretty significant stuff. But I've been reading through the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy quite a bit in Genesis. The prophetic word to the people of that time was, I've given you this land. Have you read it? I've given you this land. I've given you an inheritance. Go in and take this inheritance. So God position has always been that he's the people who is living in, that he's committed to. He wants us to succeed. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to have dominion. He wants us to have rule. That is why I get so ticked off around the world and what we hear of this news reports, because it doesn't seem that God's spirit is ruling. It just looks like the enemy is ruling. Anybody with me this morning? But God's purpose has always been that we would accomplish, that we would have significance, that we would take an inheritance. We have been created and called to conquer. But this is the, 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 the challenge here. So if we understand the difference between aspiration and, and, and ambition, and we're working from the right heart and the right position, there are some things that we must deal with. Now, some of you have been wondering what on earth is in here, I'm sure, since it's come on the stage. And actually, for the last 10 minutes, you've been just focused on this thing, expecting something to jump out of it, and uh, not paying a blind bit of notice to me. There's nothing in, in the box. I'm now going to do a magic trick, okay? There's no, you can see there's no trap door. Okay, right. Uh, but what I do need 
is I need a volunteer this morning. Would you like to come and volunteer? Come and volunteer. What's your, is it Elliot? Yeah, Elliot, I remember. Elliot, I want you to come and jump in this box, okay? All right? I want you to come and jump in this box. You see, he's straight in there. He's, he's lying down in it. He's a god lad. Is it comfy? Okay. <laughs> Elliot's full of... Poke your head up a minute. Elliot's a real character. He's a lovely lad. He's, got, he's full of potential. This lad's full of potential. He might not know all the potential that he has... But he's absolutely full of potential. Elliot, you can go anywhere. You can do anything. With God's help, I mean that. You allow God to just work in you. Who knows where he's going to take you? Who knows what you're going to do in your, in your lifetime? You, 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 we often say this. You, you know, I can't say you're going to be a football player even if you had a heart because you've not got the skill to become a footballer. But what I'm saying, to be a success, to be a blessing, to be an influencer, not just in this country but in the world, it's all there. It's all there. We all started out, out, out like that. Being a little Elliot. Now some of you, if I can say this, didn't have a particularly great childhood. There are many things that, that, that troubled you, challenged you. My intention is not to open those things up, but I'm aware. And I'm aware around the life of this church of the abuse that children... Uh, felt all kinds of abuse. You then progressed and you didn't particularly have a great education. Or you got involved, you had a great education, but you got involved with the wrong people and you just made some drastic decisions. You may have got involved in a relationship that then became very abusive or down the line ended in divorce. A whole raft of things that can happen in our lifetimes. Are you hearing me this morning? Whole raft of things. And what those things are, just watch your head, they're lids. So there's a lid that keeps coming on our life. We try and poke our head up, but there's another lid. So there's a lid of abuse. Lid of lack, lack of education. Lid of divorce. Tried something, it failed. Lid of failure. I'm trying to be somebody that I'm not. So I'm trying to be like my mate. Lid of trying to be some like somebody else. I'm trying to be like them, and I'm now going to compare myself against them because they're achieving and I'm not. Lid of comparison. Something happened in my background. So I'm now frightened of the dark, and I'm in my 40s, a lid of fear. Oh, I could talk forever about fears and phobias. He can breathe, don't worry about it, he can breathe through here. This isn't abuse, by the way, either. He volunteered freely. I have granny and grandpas, he's smiling at me, he's laughing, he's okay. I made sure there was holes through here. I'm not about to make him vanish. Sorry, granddad. No, I'm not. No. He's a lovely lad. But there are lids that keep coming. 
over our lives. Keep coming over our lives. I don't know too much about this little lad, but already there'll be certain lids, unfortunately, that we're starting to develop in his psyche and in his heart. How old are you, Elliot? At 12. And I know it's your... See, this is where I wasn't in my notes, but I knew I was going to go somewhere. This is where your... I don't know what you call your granny. Do you call them mama and grandpa or gran and grandpa? You see, they, what they want to do is rip off this lid. So they don't want any lids on your development. They want you to soar, Elliot. They want you to become all that you can be. But the religious that come on our lives, I could spend the, the next, oh, I don't know how many hours talking about lids that are over my life, that have been in my life. Is this talking to anybody? No, is this talking to anybody? Lids. You see, some of, some, I'm looking around the room, there are some people in the 60s, there are some people in the 70s, there are some people who have only been married a few years, there are some people with grandchildren, some people with children, and we just live with lids. Lids are the killer of aspiration. They will kill the aspiration from your life. They will prevent you from doing and being all that God wants you to be. I'll take you back to Philippians. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Lids that are over our lives. Elliot, you've just got this job because you're just laying down now, just pulling faces at me, sticking your tongue out at me and all kinds of things. You have been awesome. Do you want to jump out the, the box and give him a round of applause? Good lad. Now, just before we move on, I want to stop for a moment. We have some questions at the end, but I want to stop just for a moment because I think it's important that we do this because we have to understand there is something that God wants us to enter into, which we've talked about, but there are lids that we've all said that can be over our lives. I want you to just stop for a moment. If you've got a notepad and pen, then if you can, you can write these down. If you haven't, just want you to think just for a moment. But I want you to identify if there are any lids in your life that have stopped you or are stopping you from aspiring. They're stopping you or have stopped you from achieving, from becoming all that you could be. Just as you think about those, I'll go through them again. Insecurity, a little fear, a little comparison, a little playing safe, a little poor education, a little you've been spoken over, you're thick, you're stupid. I was with somebody only this week that that's been spoken over their life. What a lid. What a f- it is shocking, Phil. I was just so broken inside when this guy told me. I thought, this is just so true because he's a bright man. A lid of background from the wrong background. A lid of failure. A lid of reputation. A lid of bad attitude. A lid of being someone else. A lid of competing. A lid of uncontrollable anger, 
take a moment just to think about any leads that may be over your life. You might need to do a little bit more work on that. I said earlier that actually what God wants to do is blow off the lids from our lives. What he'd like to do as well is actually break down the box because he doesn't want us to live box lives. It's a well-known fact that um, some scientists did some research on fleas and um, how fleas jump and how high they can jump. And uh, basically what they realized, they put them in the jam jar and they just jumped out the jar because they can jump really high. So these group of scientists then put them in back in the jam jar and put the lid on the jam jar. And what kept happening was these fleas kept jumping to the, to the lid and obviously hitting what, I don't know whether they have heads, but certainly hitting whatever they were hitting, kept hitting this thing. For 20 minutes they kept doing this. But then they noticed... After 20 minutes, after 20 minutes, the fleas became so conditioned to jump in that they jumped just beneath the uh, edge of the lid to stop them banging their heads. It's, I checked it out, I verified it even this morning to make sure it's absolutely true. That's fascinating. The fact is, we we're all called to jump. We're all called to, to succeed. We're all called to grow and be. But there are boxes and lids that have been put over our lives. And what's happened is they have become conditions for you and for me. Let me talk about some conditions personally now for those who come from this area, from, from Ilkeston and from the East Midlands. We were with somebody, it was actually a today that Steve Holmes was running and there was a, a man who was talking. He spoke about the East Midlands development guy. I can't remember the stats, it's just come to me now, Steve. But he was saying that something like the East Midlands has been forgotten. It's, it, there was a number of things that it was the worst in. It's just an area that has effectively been forgotten by many people. I'm not being political here, but it seems to feel like it's all about London. And if you're from London, God bless you. But if you're not from London, then, well, forget everybody else. And when we're here, we can think to ourselves, well, what good it's going to come from Ilkeston. What can I do? What can be accomplished? We haven't got much resource. We haven't got much this. We haven't got much of that. And we start to create lids in our own lives. There are some people who break out of that and some of you are here, but many of us don't. We just live with lids. What are we saying? Culture carriers don't live with lids. We live with aspiration. We say, by God's grace, remove the lids from our lives so we can store in Jesus' name. You've heard me say this before. From a church perspective, I, I once heard Paul Scanlon, who was the uh, lead, lead pastor of, of, of Bradford, uh, was, you know, is doing a great, great work. Many thousands of people and people encouraged him. Look, Paul, if you went, to, if you went down to London, then you'd really begin to cook with gas. That's where you need to be. We're saying by God's grace we can build a church, a prevailing church in Bradford. Here we are in Ilkeston. Here we are in Mansfield. Well, why don't you go to the big city, Nottingham? Why don't you go to Derby? Why don't you go to Birmingham? Because God hasn't called us there at this particular moment. And by God's grace, we're believing that we're going to build a prevailing church here in Ilkeston. And a prevailing church 
in Mansfield. Anybody with me? This is part of the aspiration. Well, we haven't got loads of money and we haven't got loads of resources. Yeah, but when has that ever stopped? It didn't stop Mr. Muller. And so by God's grace, we are going to remove the lids from our lives and we're going to remove the lids from the life of the church. So what could this look like? Well, it could literally look that we have a few hundred people join us next year. It could mean that we have to set up ministries that we can't afford to run. That God will take care of them. We've got to live with a, with a belief in our hearts. And I want to you know, pray that for a release of faith. That God takes the lids. That we allow God to remove the lids from our lives. And from the life of the church. And we begin to believe for the possibilities of what God can do. This culture carrying is possibility thinking. Don't think it's positive thinking. Don't think I've just swallowed, you know, too much of a pub, uh, you know, positive thinking manual. I haven't. The manual that I've swallowed is the Bible. That's the book that I'm reading at the moment. So if you ask me what books and number of you have, I do read other books. But if you ask me the book that I'm reading more than any other book, it's this thing called the Bible. That's what I'm reading at the moment. Because I recognize it's this thing that's going to grow me. It's this thing that's going to nourish me. It's this thing that's going to challenge me. It's this thing that's going to correct me. It's this thing that's going to take me into my purposes. Not any other book. Oh, three of you believe that. Okay. But that's the truth. But God wants us to create. God wants to create amongst us this possibility thinking, a we can do attitude, a moving on kind of culture. I want to finish with three, three Bible verses, Chris, if we can just put them on, on the screen. Because I want us to just understand that this is all rooted in the Bible. So if you just look at the screens for a moment. In Isaiah 54 and verse 2, it says this. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. Do you think that's a little bit of aspiration? Moving on kind of language. Let's go to verse 3. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Verse 4. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. Let's read that from the message, shall we? And what it says there. Clear lots of grounds for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You're going to take over whole nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. I have to just stop there. When I'm even saying this stuff, I feel like, this is all going to come back to me, even as I'm speaking now. Three or four times, waves. These people aren't getting it. These people are thinking I'm a madman. These people are thinking I'm crazy. But I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep going. You know, you're going to be left with embarrassment. Well, I'm just going to keep going. Don't hold back. You're not going to come short. You'll forget all about the humiliations of your youth. And the indignities of being a widow will fade from memory. Wow, what an aspirational passage of scripture that God is wanting to say to us. God's actually prophesied that into the life of his church many, many years ago. Let's go to the second passage of scripture, Chris, if we can, from Psalm 
18 and verse 19. It says there, he brought me out. David speaking. And this was out of turmoil and crisis. Read the psalm. In the beginning verses, he just talks about the cords of death entangling around him. He was in crisis. He was in mayhem. Everything was against him. But this was his prophetic declaration. This was his release of faith. God, you have brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Again, sorry to use Steve as an illustration, but there was many, many months ago at a prayer meeting on a Friday night that Steve just said, turned to me and said, Christian, I just want to say this. And he just saw this cavernous, you know, cave and just it was difficult getting to it. And then it just opened up into a very spacious place. I don't know whether you can remember saying that to me and just feeling that for me and for the church. At that time, God was just laying this deep in my heart. This old Psalm 18. God, I'm bringing you, uh, Christian, I'm bringing you into a spacious place. I'm going to bring the church into a spacious place. You, it is difficult at the minute. It is tight. But you're going to come into something great. I'm going to bring you in it. Because I delight in you. I delight in this church. I delight in rescuing those who are in crisis and are in difficulty. This is aspirational verses. These are what we, you know, put our faith in. He brought me into a spacious place. So we're there, to, we're called to enlarge, to extend, and to expand. We're called to stretch out, to drive ten pegs deep. We're not going to be humiliated because God is bringing us into a spacious place. But you may say, well, Christian, can this be trusted? It's all in Old Testament. It's all in Old Testament, and it's all through the cross. Yeah, it is all through the cross. I believe in the Old Testament, and I believe... In the New Testament, and this is definitely my life verse, something that I just want to live with. Because in Ephesians and chapter 3 and verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Does anybody need any more convincing this morning that God's heart, that God's desire, for us here as a church, is not to re- remain where we are. God's desire for you and your life is not for you to remain where you are and to have lids on your life, but he wants to blow off the lids and he wants to say, I can do immeasurably more than all you can ask or imagine according to my power that is at work within you. Forget the lid, forget the box. I am well able to do This in your life, if you will put your trust in me. It's as simple as that. Let's just read it. Have we got that on the message as well, Chris? Yeah, God can do anything. Do you know that? Some of you need to know that prophetically. God can do anything. You're looking at a situation and say, that's impossible. God can do anything. God can do anything. You can't. I can't. God can do anything. You know far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request. I love Peterson's language. In your wildest dreams. Oh, I've got a wild imagination. And I'm talking good now. Wild imagination. I think it's just watching too many Tom and Jerry cartoons and... Just wild imagination. 
And he does it not by pushing us around. God isn't into pushing us around. He does it by working within us. Deeply and gently within us. You young people, I'll just keep saying to you, please, 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 put your trust in God. Young guys, put your trust in God. Elliot, what's your your cousin's name at the side of you? Joel, that's right. Put your trust in God. Put your trust in God. And as you put your trust in God, he'll take care of your footsteps. That's what the Bible says. He'll take care of where you need to go. And as you put your trust in God and keep your life before him, then your prayer needs to be, God, I don't want any lids in my life. Whatever lids are there, just remove them. Because I want to do something great for you. I'm not talking about all becoming church pastors. In the business world, in creative things. I mean, look at the creativity that we've had here, Die, Just amazing. We've got some cracking young people. We have got some amazing young people. Phil often says, I brag about Arena Church, wherever he is in the nation. I'm just forever bragging about our young people. Wherever I go, I'm just bragging whenever I've got an opportunity with other guys. And I think I'm allowed to brag at this particular point. Don't allow stuff to squeeze in. Now let me address everybody. Some of us are a bit older now and there are many lids that come in our lives. Can I say the same thing to you? Put your trust in God. Give your life to God. Place your life intentionally in God's hands. Say, God, I'm trusting you. And you know about the failure of that. Yeah, I know about that. But I'm putting my trust in you, God. I'm going to feed myself on God's word. And God says, I'll teach you my word. And as you begin to do that, these lids that are over your life, I have no problem. There's some counselors here and I appreciate counseling. Some of it might need that. But I'll tell you what, God the Holy Ghost is going to show up and he's going to help some of us with some of these lids and he's going to start breaking the lids over our lives. And that future that seems so clouded at this particular moment is going to become much clearer with the help of God. And God's going to bring you into a spacious place. God's going to bring you into that place where it's beyond your wildest dreams. Five statements as we close. Let me just place on record our man, Mr. Pie, is the man. He's put all these statements together and they're flipping awesome, Phil. And I want to place on record how challenging and thought-provoking they are. We want to be people that carry this culture of aspiration. So we will ask ourselves, when was the last time I did something for the first time? And then aspire to do something new. Might be that you've never had Indian food before, because you say, oh, that's nasty. I know I'm not having a go at you. I'm not having a go at you. Don't get on, he's getting all defensive now, can you see him? Oh, don't do spicy food. Get some spices down you in Jesus' name. Have a go. You may say, well, that's no, just do something. I'm not talking about running across the street naked. I'm not talking about doing something stupid. No, just do something today. Do something new. 
Why don't you get your wife and give her a long lingering kiss in front of the kids? Such carnality in the house. (laughs) When was the last time you did something for the first time? Seriously, guys, this is what builds the culture. Every day, every week, just try to do something new. My week just consists of new things all the time. That's why I absolutely adore the privilege of what you allow me. Sometimes it's frustrating, but I just, the privilege that you allow me of serving here and just doing, meeting, brilliant. Aspiration number two, we will advance forward to take hold of everything in God for which he has taken hold of us. Aspiration number three, we'll have a continual expectation of growth in every area and aspect of the life of Arena Church. We're believing to be disciples and to go and make disciples. 2012 is going to be a real discipleship, you know, challenge, not program, just raising, making disciples. I want to tell you, we want to take us deeper, but we also want more in. We're we're believing for growth in Jesus' name in all the ministries that we're involved in. Number four, we'll set aside the past failures and disappointments to continually step up to the plate and be wholly given to God's purposes. And here we have it again. Aspiration number five, we will continue to look our God and know that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Therefore, no limits, only enlargement, extension, and expansion. I wish I'd have read those aspirational notes before I'd done my message because I'd have used that outline, those enlargement, extension, He knows I'm not joking, actually. And expansion. Absolutely fantastic. Listen, and all these things that we've been talking about, mercy and teamwork and generosity, and you've got them all in your books. Let's not allow these to just be a a once-in-a-lifetime series. If we're going to carry something, let's carry these cultures wherever we go. Not just on a Sunday. Don't put them on on Sunday and then take them off. On Monday, we're called to carry these all the time, wherever we go. But God wants us to be people who believe for much more in Jesus' name. I wonder if we'd bow our heads.